Right. I'd like to um, go back to some of the things we were talking about over the conference and start, if you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel and chapter 13. And you remember in um, verse um, 44, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Matthew 13, 44. The which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant, seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Uh, What we looked at over the conference uh, was the fact that the treasure, and we have this treasure where? That might and okay. So the whole um, basis for life is we've got a treasure and there is something you do and as I said uh, repeatedly over the conference uh, you can't come into life unless you give everything you have to lay everything on the altar that's the way in you don't get in any other way and you have to realize that Jesus died for you and you have to come to full surrender. Is that correct? Hello. Sure. And, you know, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You were singing it. I'm confident of this very thing. Well, I'm confident that a lot of people forget the cost at the beginning, and as time goes on, their whole attitude is wrong. Uh, and I want to spend some time talking about attitudes. You remember Benson Hosey used to say, your attitude determines your altitude. One of the principles we want to look at, and throughout the old Judaic system was, everyone believed that God created heaven and earth and everything belonged to God that God was the provider. And you will remember that uh, Abraham, one of the things that was first on the list was God was the provider. Uh, That's how he was revealed. And the acknowledgement of God's ownership of everything in the earth um, resulted in a gratitude to God and a giving to God of the glory that was his and the things that were his. And one of the things in the Old Testament, and I'm talking of Old Testament, was the principle of tithing. And I found, talking with people, that have got the wrong impression of tithing. Saying, well, that's Old Testament, Old Covenant, and 
That's it. Well, let me explain something to you. Um, if you turn with me into Genesis 14, verse 18... And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. Now, what was the last thing that Jesus did with his disciples in the upper room when he said that he was going to be the lamb and his body was to be broken? Well, what was it? Yeah, what, what happened? Bread and wine thank you so and you have to understand this was long before old covenant times long before uh, that Moses hadn't turned up on the scene okay and he blessed um, and he blessed him and said blessed be Abram of the most high God Possessor of heaven and earth. Now notice who God is. He's the possessor of what? Heaven and earth. And he blessed the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hands. And Abraham gave him tithes of all. Everything he had, he gave tithes of. He wouldn't accept from, you'll go on and see that he wouldn't accept anything from the king of Sodom. Uh, verse 23, that I will not take fr from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I've made Abram rich. Um, there was a sense in which he wasn't going to take from the world. One of the things that worries me is there's a Christian notion that the world are going to give the Christians all their wealth, uh, and that is nonsense. Uh, Abraham said, I don't want to take from the world. I don't need the world's stuff. So do understand that. It, it's not a, a good thing to believe. Okay, let's go on then to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abram returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation the king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they um, come out of the loins of Abram, 
But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes. But there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abram, and so on. You know, and, and people like to twist this bit and say, you know, well, let's put the cart before the horse, and, and Levi was in the loins of Abraham, therefore it's legalistic. But let me ask you a question. What priesthood did Jesus have? It was after the, what order? After the order of Melchizedek. And whom did Abram pay tithes to? Melchizedek. Okay? Now Jesus is after that order. And it was before ever the old covenant existed. So important to understand. Then let's look on in Genesis 28. Genesis 28. And you'll find there, you remember the story in verse 11, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set, and he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep, and he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending. Um, And he has a vision from God, and God says, Behold, The Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God, verse 13, of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And he, he repeats the promises he made to Abraham. But look what happens. Um, verse 20, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God be with me, And will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Here is Jacob, and he says, look, I'm going to give tenth of all that you ever give me to you if you'll protect me if you'll keep me then I'm going to give one tenth now that is long before Moses, long before the Mosaic law, is that plain to everyone hello is that plain now this is a, a covenant between him and God And it's long before the principle of tithing. Now, tithing, 10%, was the minimum in the Old Covenant. But when you take 10%, a 
that's a tithe, a tenth. You have to understand that there was first fruits, love offerings, peace offerings, all sorts of things, and scholars have worked it out. I haven't, but they have. That it's closer to 23% of the person's income was given to the work of God from each individual. 23% of their income went towards the work of God. That's old covenant. Legalism. This is what the Jews did. Okay? It dealt with the fatherless and widows. It dealt with the um, keeping of the Levites and the priesthood. It dealt with all sorts of things. And you have to understand that was the way they lived. They saw that the most important thing, as God was possessor of heaven and earth, and all things were God's and came from God, and it is God who giveth wealth, therefore they responded and they lived their life with a realization that they not only gave a tenth, but they gave the first fruits of the increase, they gave always to God. And the, when you work it out, it's about 23% of their annual income went to God and God's work. And they administered the fatherless and widows with the same thing. In other words, there was a, a welfare society, if you like. By the tenth went to the Levites. Now that was the way it was. And that is old covenant. And you might wonder, well, if that's old covenant, what about new covenant? You know, is New Covenant biblical uh, to tithe? And a lot of people will argue, no, um, because that's under law and we're under grace. However, you come across a great problem then because Jesus taught stewardship. And in stewardship, he taught that everything you possess and everything you have belongs to God. And you are responsible to use it for God's purposes alone. And all your increase is to be used for God's purpose. Now that's what Jesus taught. In other words, he said, look, what the Jews do is insufficient. And you will find in the New Covenant, as soon as the people were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, None of the people said that all that they had was their own because they realized ownership passed when they were born and filled with the Holy Ghost. It passed to God. Now that's the way they lived. So tithing or a dispute about tithing is really totally irrelevant when you start looking at the way the New Testament lived. Uh, they didn't have to discuss it because if all that you have is God's, and Ananias and Sapphira, you remember, went and sold land and lied to the Holy Ghost about what they sold it for and pretended to give the full price, now everyone was living that way. Now, you'd hardly write to the church and tell them about tithing if everyone was living with total abandonment to the things of God. Their life was involved with the church of Jesus Christ. Right. 
It's amazing how everyone goes quiet. Now, it doesn't mean that everyone sells everything and doesn't have a home. I believe everyone should have a home. I think a husband has to provide for his wife and family. However, I also believe that he has a responsibility of stewardship. In other words, he has a responsibility to know who owns what he has. And it's no good letting God own it all if you never let him use any of it. Hello? Well, is that reasonable? I mean, we're talking about you've got this treasure in an earthen vessel. I'm confident of this very thing, you son. But he that's begun a good work. It's amazing how when people come to Christ, they're totally committed and abandoned. And then after a few years, they're no longer abandoned to Christ. They're abandoned to money and they worship money more than they worship God. And they worship the things that they possess more than they love God. It's called idolatry. That's why John, the apostle of love, said, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And what are idols? Well, they're the things that you love more than God. And you put the preeminence in your life on those things more than on the things of God. I believe that tithing in the Old Testament has its counterpart fulfillment in the New Covenant to be a faithful steward of what God's given me. That's it. Now I have a right to speak because when we wanted to buy a school, my wife and I looked and we wanted to buy a property and this property was what we wanted to buy. What did we do? We sold our home. We sold what we had accumulated and we came and Peter did the same, Peter and Carolyn, and we bought this property because we wanted a place where we could worship God and love God, so we sold everything we had. And many individuals made sacrifices. Why? Because our determination was to live for Jesus Christ. What was more important to me was to have a school for the children and a church property where we could worship our God in freedom at any time that we wanted to and have our Bible school, so we sold everything. So I have a right to speak. And no one can say that we didn't do it. I'm not asking anyone to do what I haven't done. If you don't live it, don't say it. Now, I didn't do it out of illegalism. My wife didn't do it out of illegalism. Peter and Carolyn didn't do it out of illegalism. I'll tell you why they did it. Because we fell in love with Jesus Christ and we wanted the church of Jesus Christ to be honored in the right way. Didn't ask anyone else to do it. But one woman did. She looked at it and she said, look, she said, I'm old. She was 76, so she sold her house over in um, Onga and she said, I want to 
donate everything to help the work of God. I want to be part of it. And so she sold her home. And she came and I said, while you live, there will always be a place for you here. We'll be responsible for you. And so she sold everything and gave it. Now that wasn't legalism, it was her heart. God had met her, done a beautiful work in her life, and she lived here uh, till the day she died. That was the covenant we made. Now, that was how the church was founded. And people made sacrifices. They sold jewelry, they sold silver, they sold anything they could so we could buy the property and have the church and have what we want. That's how we began. In fact, we began more on an Acts 2 than anything else. In other words, commitment, when you've got the pearl of precious price and you know what you paid for it, it's a valuable thing. It's a treasure. And I walk around the field sometimes and I think, what a treasure. Hey, we did a right thing. Some people gave much, some people gave little. Some people out of their wealth gave something, and some people gave measly amounts. But what happened was the people that God honored were the people that were faithful. But we made a covenant with our God. Now that wasn't Old Testament, this is New Covenant living. Old Testament legalism says, and some evangelicals, and especially in America, they say, give you 10% and that's your obligation. Oh no! Your time, your life, everything you are, you're obliged. If so be, God has met you, you're obliged to be a faithful steward of everything. Stewardship is part of it. Lord, everything I have came from you. It belongs to you. Now, I have to be a faithful steward to administer that. And stewardship means administration. It means that you're one who's a trustee. It isn't yours. Um, it belongs to someone else. You're loaned it. You're loaned your life. Don't you know you've been bought with a price? You are not your own. So the whole purpose and understanding of a Christian life is, hey, I'm living for someone else. So it's all right to jump and dance. But hey, what about living? It's all right to see miracles. Thank God for them. But don't mistake the thing. When you start to sing, I'm convinced of this very thing. He has begun a good work. What happened to the total commitment at start when you're a few years down the road? Something upsets you, something happens, and you cease to live in the realization of whom you belong to. And suddenly, it's a me gospel 
and my wealth and my benefit instead of a yielding gospel where we lay our life down, we deny ourselves, we take up our cross and we follow who? Jesus. It's amazing how many people go from a small house to a bigger house to a bigger house to a bigger house as their incomes grow, all they bless is themselves. Because they're self-centered. But is that good stewardship? Is that what God really was after? And how much of their commitment is to Christ and how much of it's committed to them? And when you start to, to <laughs> preach and you tell people we have this treasure in earth and vessels, you find the value of that treasure dims and pales into insignificance with the outward treasures that they now want to possess. You'll find they'll spend more time on their outward things than the inward thing. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of and not of us. But unfortunately, it's not long before they switch horses and suddenly... Their life is lived for what I can get. And that's what's happened in the prosperity teaching. When people go to an extreme and they tell people, well, you know, God wants to make you a multimillionaire. Look, I was led to the Lord by a man called Dima Shakarian. He was a multimillionaire. Let me tell you how much he gave to God in a month out of his income. 90%. And he kept 10% for himself. 90% went to the work of God. And do you know something? He built his house, a modest house, and he built the same house for every one of his workers. He lived in the same type of house as all his workers. You say, well, he was a multimillionaire. He was. But you see, Jesus Christ had won his heart. And the more God prospered him, the more he gave. He tells, told me he started giving... 20%, then 30%, then 40%, and finally, as life went on, he gave 90% of his income to the work of God. I, I mean, he was a New Covenant Christian. He, his wife and he lived on, Rose and Demas lived on the 10%. Most Christians will give 10% grudgingly, and call it legalism if you want. And a lot of them don't even do that. Let's be honest about it. They look for any excuse to cut it down. But I wonder if they have that treasure in an earthen vessel. I mean... Either we believe God's word or we don't. So let's look at stewardship. I mean, you know, 
Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I hope none of you would suggest that um, Jesus was old covenant in the sense that he didn't introduce the new covenant. Is it by compulsion? I tell you, no one could compel anyone to live right. If you don't have the treasure in an earthen vessel and God doesn't meet you, you'll never live the way God intends. You know, who's to be the one we follow? Jesus Christ. I mean, how did he live? <laughs> I mean, he didn't even bother to have the bag. He gave it to a thief, Judas. And yet, you know, a thief couldn't empty it. You've got to understand, Jesus lived different, didn't he? Hmm? Didn't mean he lived in poverty, no. He had a seamless robe. People cast lots for his robe when he, he was crucified, and you wouldn't cast lots for a rag. I, I don't believe in poverty. No, no, not at all. God promises to bless us. But what I do believe in is getting our priorities right, lest we end up being snared by idols. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. You want to know where all evil comes from? comes from the love of money. Not from money, but from the love of it. And do you know, it, it's what you attach value to. You see, you're in idolatry when you love something more than you love God. And some people love their comforts, and some people love... There, there are things people love. And when we talk about this treasure that we have, it's a wonderful treasure. We have it in an earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power might be of God. But it's amazing how people try and take the excellency of the power that's of God and they want to trade it in for the things of the world. I mean, what has the world got to offer? In the end, what has the world got to offer? One wonders. The Greek New Testament word for stewardship means a house distributor, a treasurer, a fiscal agent. Uh a guardian, a manager, or a trustee. In stewardship, there are two parties involved. The one in authority who delegates and the one who carries out delegated responsibility. There is accountability to the one in authority. You see, really, you're accountable to God for everything you do. God's holding you accountable. So your life, you have to give answer to God. Your money, you have to give answer to God. The way you are, you have to give answer to God. Everything you, you do, you've got to answer God. Because you took him as Lord of your life. If so, be you're a Christian. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. In other words, if we want that power working in us, then we've got to really uh, abandon our lordship of our lives and our opinions, and we've got to have God's opinion. It's what God wants. I come to do the will of God. 
Jesus said in the volume of the book it is written, I come to do thy will, O God. A lot of people, they waste money on fancy cars, gizmos, and all sorts of silly things. Hey, just a minute. Your responsibility, God is going to account you responsible for every penny. Doesn't belong to you, never did. That's stewardship. Uh, this is new covenant. Oh, I mean, it's much better to be in the old covenant where you just tithe. Uh, no, no, you know, you, uh, God, God only took a tenth, and, and then there was the, the first fruit, so that was only 20. Now, hey, he wants the whole deal. Now you're responsible for the whole deal. The stewardship takes you out of... So, so when it's a non-starter, people are arguing about the legalism of tithing. Stewardship <laughs> means, hey, all that I have belongs to God. You've become a Christian. Now you know. I, I, I mean, you surrendered to Christ, didn't you? When you got born again, didn't you take him as Lord? Hey, Jesus, you're Lord. Now keep out of my life. Is that what you said? No. <laughs> Say, Lord. And you laid everything before him. How come you took it back? I mean, when did you have the right to take back what you were meant to have given to God? See, it's all right to have the good side of things and the gospel of redemption. But you see, with the gospel of redemption, there comes responsibility. I shared with you last weekend all that God's done for you. Now what I'm asking you, having done that, and you're bought with a price, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Now... What about your responsibility to him? And to the brethren. And to all those who need the reality of Jesus Christ. How committed are you to that? Ah, but now you're not under law, you're under grace. So really, your obligation is non-existent. Or you're one of those who thinks, well, if I pay my tithe, that's my response. Oh, no. Your life, your time, all that you are, belongs to God. And so let's look at the Scriptures, how Jesus teaches it. And on Sunday, we'll look how it's taught through the New Testament. I mean, there is a cross. There's a price to pay. I mean, did Jesus say, if you want to be my disciple, what have you got to do? Deny yourself. We have this treasure in that the excellency of the power and not of us. I'll tell you what, it takes the excellency of the power of God to get someone to live the way Christ intends. In other words, what we were talking about last weekend is fine. 
That's why you need God and the Holy Ghost. Because if he doesn't come, no one's going to live this way. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost to really live the way God intends. You need the power of God for this. For the other stuff, oh, well, you know, it's fine. But when it comes to the demands of Christ and the call of God, hey, you better have the real treasure inside or you're going to hate Christianity. You'll see it as legalism, you'll see it as demanding, you'll see it as oppressive, because you won't be able, able to have your own way. Let's look at it. Uh, I mean, we've got the Bible. But um, Luke chapter 12, let's see, New Testament teaching on stewardship. Okay, it's in the book, and if you've got a complaint, address it to God, and see whether he'll change his mind. And don't start, the Bible is for no private interpretation. Don't think you've got a right to your opinion, that is not right. The Bible is clear what it says it means. End of story. Luke 12, verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And you yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. That when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him when? Immediately. In other words, I'm looking for the coming of the Lord. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Verse 42, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Who is he? His faithful and wise steward. Question. You see, there's coming a time when God's coming and, and he's actually going to want to know what you've done with your life. Now, if he comes at the second or the third watch and he finds you aren't being faithful, you're in trouble. Now we have this treasure in earth and vessel. The excellency of the power might be of God. You know, I need the power of God to keep me alive to what I'm called to do. A lot of other things I could do, but, you know, you can't do but what God's called you to do. The problem is that you're a steward and you have no right to pick and choose. That's the way it goes. It's the way the cookie crumbles. You see, God is God. And he has a sense of humor. Why does he do it? I don't know. One thing I do know is that it's very dangerous when a man 
becomes a skeptic and when a man loses sight of what the call of God is. I mean, basically, I'm called to serve him. Be a servant of the Most High God. That's what you're called to be. Uh, I'm called to do his will, not mine. I'm called to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. Not follow what I want. In fact, Christianity takes away my right to my opinion. And your opinion. Luke 16, verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig, to beg I am ashamed, I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of all. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, how much owest thou? And he said, an hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take thy bill and write fourscore. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Did you know that? Children of the, here, here's, here's someone who, who God suddenly coming to him and saying, well, what have you done with your life? What have you, what have you really done with, with what you've got? Okay, I made you steward. I'm going to take it away. You've been unfaithful. And he said, well, I'm in trouble. Now, remember this. The Bible says wealth cometh from the Lord. It doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from your business ability. It comes from God. But he says, there's coming a day where I'm coming to take it away. Now this is Jesus. This is, this is um, Jesus speaking. This isn't Mosaic. <laughs> Jesus talking. Luke 19. Verse 12. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. <laughs> Do you know, that's exactly what some of the children of Israel did to Moses. God called Moses, and they said, we don't want him to rule over us. Who is this Moses? And you remember, they got an early grave, didn't they? Korah, Abiram, do you remember the story? And, you know, there's always people that, that, that they, they don't want God to rule over them. 
They don't want the word of God to rule over them. Well, I don't accept that. I've got my own ideas. Well, that's the way people were. Paul found it. All Asia deserted him. Said in Acts of the Apostles. Whole of Asia heard the gospel and then they all quit. Why? They didn't like the price. Pile of package. You see, there are the blessings of God. <laughs> and then there are the responsibilities of the people of God. I have to respond. Uh, and it's stewardship that's the question. Uh, and that's where it gets nasty. See, it's all right, all the blessings. <laughs> but then when God starts saying, just a minute, hey, you have only got life because God loaned it you. Heaven and earth you had nothing to do with. The whole of creation is a gift of God to you. What do you have? I look out in the morning sometimes at the birds. You know, beautiful birds. You look at their colouring. When I was over in Tulsa, I sat out at breakfast time. And it was beautiful to watch hummingbirds just come uh, and start feeding the flowers right by where I was sitting. God put them all on earth. And you look at all the birds. I love to look at nature and look at the things. But, but beautiful songbirds. Gorgeous colours. And you look at them. And you think, how wonderfully. And you look at the flowers and you look at nature. And, and you just give thanks to God. Isn't he a good God? What did you have to do with creating it? Hmm? When you put out food and a bird flies into your garden, what did you have to do with bringing that bird to life? When you walk across the field, what did you have to do with create? You had nothing to do with it. Who put it all there? God. I, and, and you're a tenant. You're a steward. Aren't you? And it's tough when you suddenly realize there are principles in God. And it, when you belong to a church, do you know I belong to a golf club uh, and I play golf uh, and it's a good game and everyone that goes to heaven will know when they get there because of the golf courses. But I enjoy golf. I do. I love to walk out, I love to walk and play. tell you what I, I, I look and I, I see and I think you know you look at a tree I, I love to go up to Bryce's and you look at that cedar tree you know 350 years old and you think God you know and you look at the big oaks hundreds of years old and you look at the beauty I mean goodness me what a God we serve but what did you have to do with it? Wealth coming from the Lord. But we're put on the earth to obey God. 
put on the earth to glorify him. And we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. See, it's when you realize that God's in control and when you realize that you abdicated your right to choice and you yielded to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the King of Heaven, and you became a steward of your own life and a steward of all that you have and with a responsibility to use it for the Lord God of Heaven and Earth. You didn't have it right to use it for yourself anymore because when you gave your Lordship over to Him, you abdicated all rights. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power might be of... I need the excellency of that power working in me if I'm going to live this way. Hello? I'm only talking about just Christian living. Verse 15, it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then the first came, saying, Lord, what did he say? Just a minute, whose pound? Oh. But didn't he give it to them? Well, didn't he give it to them? But it was a loan. They realized who owned it. Jesus is saying, the first one said, Thy pound has gained... What? And he said, Well, thou good servant... Because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound have gained five pounds. And he said to him likewise, Be thou over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up, that thou layest not down, and reapest, that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest thou not, wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given. But from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I shall, should reign over them, bring hither, and slay them before me. Now, who are the enemies? 
tells you in that last verse. I read it out. The enemies are the people that won't accept the lordship of Christ. They won't have someone to rule over them. You see, this is Jesus talking. No, 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 this isn't Paul. This is Jesus explaining things about the kingdom. It's wonderful, isn't it? Thank God we've got this treasure in an earthen vessel. We need the Holy Ghost. Otherwise you'd give up the ghost. You know, no wonder men's hearts fail them for fear. If you look at it, uh, you've got to be careful what you do with what God's given you. You can't afford to bury it and just to say, well, Lord, I, I kept it, you know. <laughs> you know, you've got to be a wise steward, haven't you? I'm talking about stewardship. See, it's all very well to say, well, what about my family? You know, my first duties to my family, my marriage, my home. Oh, is it? I thought your first duty was to Jesus Christ. And then to the church. You know, you lay down your life for the brethren. You say, well, don't I have a responsibility? You have, to God first. Family's third. People always want to put it the wrong way around. Oh, well, you know, I, I find a lot of people, they, they get it all wrong. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> my first duty is to the King of Heaven. My second duty is to the Church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's where He is. If you do it to the least of these, you've done it under me. Then you've got your family. Put your family above that and you're in trouble. A lot of people put their family above God. It's called idolatry. Now, if you don't provide for your wife and family, you're worse than an infidel. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, first God. Matthew 25. It's good we've got the Bible. You've got to live the Christian way. But, you know, I thought it was blessing. God's come to bless me. Oh, he has. God's come to prosper me. Oh, he has. Now, you've got a responsibility with all that he's given you to be a faithful steward. God's not asking for a tenth. He wants everything. This is a new covenant. Uh, the order of Melchizedek is far greater. You know, the Levites, well, they were just men. This is God we're dealing with. Suddenly you look and you say, well, just a minute. Uh, and, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. Well, if you've got the treasure and you really value it, then it'll be taking, you see... The man who wanted the pearl of greatest price, he sold all that he had for that. But I find that after they've got what they think is the treasure, 
then everything else takes their heart. It's called idolatry. I want to be prayed for and fall over and get up. They want their leg to grow. They want their cancers to wither. They want their uh, blind eyes open. They, <laughs> they want God to make the cripples run. You know that woman on Friday who, who ran up and down? I don't know. She's not here, is she? Well, someone met her in, in Chelmsford. Uh, she was out shopping, carrying a big case. Uh, running around, perfectly healed. Completely healed, just to let you know. Totally healed. But now she's a steward. God's going to demand of her. There's stewardship. See? You get a gift from God, now he wants to know what you've done with it. People don't want to preach that side of it. See, the nice side is God will do everything. The, the other side, you know, every coin has two sides, doesn't it? Huh? That's the trouble. Oh, Lord, wonderful. Just a minute. Now what are my responsibilities to this Lord? And that's where it gets uncomfortable. It's all free. Hey, we're not under law, we're under grace. Oh, fine. Then what about what Jesus taught? Let's look at it in Matthew. Cheer you up this book. Matthew chapter 25. For the kingdom of heaven is a man travelling into a far country and called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods and unto one he gave five talents to another two to another one to every man according to his individual ability and straightway took his journey you can't just take a gift and just bury it now God knows the ability If I have to stir the gift, I can stir it. Now, I, I tell you this, I have a responsibility to God for that gift. When I was flying over to America, I, I was sitting on the plane and God began to speak to me when I was going to Tulsa this last time. And all that I, I shared last weekend, God spoke to me in about three minutes. And there I was, and, and God spoke to me. And so, you can come back. Now, now you can share the word of God with people and it's going to have power and life. Function and gift. When God says it. And then you can have a gift that doesn't take the word of God. It's just a gift, you know. It won't give life. It'll heal, but not give life different it's all sorts of gifts and God gives according to a man's ability see it's a gift now you've got old professor Hayden here and he's got a gift in languages I mean seven languages I think it is is it seven 
Oh, is it? Depends on what? Oh, definition of it. Okay, but he's got an ability. Now, that's, that's, that's a gift from God. So he can't afford not to use it and keep up to date. He's got an obligation. Different people with different gifts. I mean, everyone's got something. And God divides it to every man individually, according to ability. And you know, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. So he divides it, and he, he came. And, um, and straightway took his journey. Verse 16, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. So he that had received five talents came and bought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received the two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of the lie Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, you've got to be faithful. Is that correct? Now, different people have different talents. But the thing is, they can't afford to let those talents be buried. What you have, you've got to use. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Because there'll come a day of reckoning and God will say, Hey, what are you doing with what I've given you? You notice, the man with the one ta talent, he turned around and he said, God, what you gave me, here, you can have it back. Done nothing with it. Now, this is new covenant, and this is Jesus saying it. Okay? You all agree with that? You all agree it's in the Bible? You all agree you have a responsibility? Hello? 
Do you agree? So now, what God's given you, you have a responsibility to use it and to multiply and to increase it. Haven't you? Hello? You can't just take what God's given you and say, well, you know, thanks very much, Lord. I'll keep it safe and I'll give it to you back. I'm glad to be saved. I'll give you back when you come exactly what you gave me. God's looking for increase. And you have a responsibility. 1 Corinthians 4. Says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the ministries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In other words, God's looking and he's looking for who's going to be faithful. One of the things I've found over the years, when you've got full of enthusiasm and you start, it's easy to be faithful. It's when things happen in life and circumstances happen that you don't like, that then you begin to get unfaithful. Start getting your own opinion. Titus 1. Verse 7. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. In other words, he's not after what he can get. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Understand this, what God gives you isn't for you, it's for other people. If you look in Corinthians at the gifts of the Holy Ghost, there's only one gift that, that really ministers to the individual, and that's the gift of tongues. That is for your edification. All the other gifts are to bless other people. When God gives you something, it's not for you, it's for the others. A gift is something for other people, not for you. And you have a responsibility to use that gift to bless the body of Christ. Stewards are not the beneficiaries. I'm a steward. Other people are the beneficiaries. Oral Roberts used to go and pray for thousands of people and then he would go and he could hardly walk. Why? Because you're a steward the beneficiaries are the people you minister to and it doesn't bounce back. Jesus said when, when the woman touched him, he felt the virtue had gone out of him. See, it's ministry out, not ministry in. If so be, you have a genuine thing. And, and, and so stewardship is to bless others, not to bless you. Stewards do not give because they happen to have enough to give. Uh, it, it, you know, 
people don't understand this. Um, if you get up and you minister, you minister what God's given you. It, it, it's given to you as a gift. It, wonderful revelations, but basically they bless other people. In the end, it's a life poured out. It's not a life for you. It's a life for others. <laughs> greater, love hath no man, man, greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. Uh, and in the end, if you're a steward, uh, you give out. You, you don't, uh, it's not for you. When you make it for you, you're in trouble. Stewards have received what they have for the very purpose of giving it away. <laughs> I, I, many times I've prayed for the sick and seen beautiful miracles. Blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, cancers with it, all sorts. And I've gone home, back to the hotel, and I've laid on my bed absolutely exhausted, my body racked with pain. And I thought, I'll tell you what I've done. Sometimes I've even laid hands on myself. It hadn't worked. Uh, <laughs> you know. But you see, I didn't go there to get blessing for me. I don't understand how it all functions. While I'm in a meeting, you know, and the fire's moving... I feel nothing, but when I get, I, I, I went on Sunday afternoon, I didn't know I could make Sunday evening, I was just racked. That, that is a steward. It's not for my benefit. And any true ministry has to understand that you receive what was a gift from God to give. You lay down your life. That's why Paul said, death worketh in us, but life in you. Thanks very much. But that's the way it is. And you have to be a faithful steward. I, it's far easier physically and mentally and emotionally not to put yourself in that situation. <laughs> you, can, you can do other things. But you have to be faithful. And you see, that is the same in everyone's life. You see, if you're living for yourself, you're going to be in trouble. Down the end, you've got to answer for the stewardship. And God's going to want to know what you've done with what he gave you. Did you squander it? Or did you build something that was eternal? Did you lay up for yourself treasure in heaven? Or did you just use it vainly for yourself? What do you do with it? And everyone's going to have to answer. We have a responsibility. And it's not the side of the gospel that people like. They want the side of, yeah, 
Redemption has done it all. <laughs> now, now, don't get me wrong. There are great compensations with being faithful when you leave this earth. <laughs> there are great compensations with being faithful. But, but you see, where are you looking for your treasure? Here or there? I mean, if you get it here, then you won't get any there. So, uh, faithful steward. Let me read to you something from the Institutes of Christian Religion by John Calvin. He says this, No surer rule and no more valid exhortation to keep it could be devised than when we are taught that all the gifts we possess have been bestowed by God and entrusted to us on condition that they be distributed for our neighbor's benefit. In other words, everything you have is for your brother, your sister, your neighbor. That's why God gave it you. I'll read it again. No surer rule and no more valid exhortation to keep it could be devised than when we are taught that all the gifts we possess have been bestowed by God and entrusted to us on condition that they may be distributed for our neighbor's benefit. Calvin goes on to say that since there is no way we can in increase God's possessions, the way we extend generosity towards God is by practicing it towards God's work and God's people. In other words, am I my brother's keeper? Most certainly, yes. Have I a responsibility to them? Most certainly, yes. I can't just take the gift of God and say, well, God saved me, I'm, you know, I'm happy. Well, why should I put myself out for people? For goodness sake, I have a right to my life. God can't expect me to make sacrifices. So my family can't have all that they need. God can't expect me to lay down my life. And, and you know, my family will suffer. I, I could be so much better off if I did different things. Why should I actually sacrifice? Why should I have to give my time? You know, I, when I think of Africa... And I think all the things you have to go through. I don't like getting in a little motorboat and going two miles across a river that's filthy dirty and got crocodiles in it. And you know, if the blinking thing breaks down, you're in trouble. There's rapids down the river. And you look. And you think, what am I doing here? We did that, didn't we? 
and it was a war zone. And we got to the other side, and there were thousands of people on the riverbank with limbs amputated, blown apart by landmines and stuff. They were just masses. And you know, people think it, it's, it, it's a pleasure. But you see, if God has given you gift, you've got to go. And, and you know, you're not a tourist. So what do you do? But you're called to go. I mean, it doesn't bother me. I go because, but I tell you this, if I had my choice, I'd sooner stay home. When I get back home, I, I, I put my feet up. It's nice to be home. But you go. Because I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. That's it. <laughs> You're a steward. And God's given you a lot. But what are you doing with it? You know, as a good steward, God's going to ask you what you've done with your gifts. Do you know, God has made you a steward, and you're going to have to answer. You've got responsibility. God's given us a wonderful gift. Now, how are you going to use it? For whom are you going to use it? That's the question. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that every words spoken Lord will get inside people's hearts you've given us a tremendous responsibility to be faithful to you Lord I pray that each one is faithful to the heavenly vision